Welcome to episode number 256. I'm going to be sharing with you today my tips and how we raise our meat chickens. I asked a few episodes back if this would be an episode you guys would be interested in. And oh my goodness, did I get a resounding yes? You definitely were interested in learning how to raise your own chickens for meat. Uh, Specifically, that was on episodes. If you haven't listened to that, for our overall food production plan that includes livestock and raising different types of animals for meat, then you can check out episode number 252 after you listen to this episode. Welcome to the Pioneering Today podcast. I'm your host, Melissa K. Norris, author of three books, best-selling, including my newest book, The Family Garden Plan, How to Raise and Grow a Year's Worth of Food. I share with you how to be homegrown and homemade. I'm a fifth-generation homesteader, and we've been raising 100% of our own meat and over 75% of our own fruits and vegetables for many, many years here on our homestead. So I'm excited to get to share with you how we do that and the tips so that you can apply it for where you are at. Okay, so first up, we're talking meat chickens. So when you are talking meat chickens, one of the first things that you have to decide is what breed you want to get to raise as your meat bird. So if you're brand new to chickens, you typically have what we consider meat bird breeds, and those are breeds that are specifically raised. Yeah, big surprise there, I know, for meat. Then you have got your egg layers or your laying hens. And those, of course, are the birds that we raise for eggs. And then sometimes you've got your dual purpose breeds. And those are the breeds that can be done for both. But not all meat birds are dual purpose breeds. And the same thing can be said for your laying hens. Not all of them really get to a large enough size to really be worth butchering for meat, which is why they're more of a egg production or a laying hen, and then your meat birds. So I'm going to talk to the meat bird breeds first. What you typically have are your Cornish cross breeds. So that's when they are a hybrid chicken. So there are no GMO Frankenstein chickens. This is a big, I don't know if myth is really the right word, but I see a lot of this floating around, especially on Facebooks and different groups. And to be honest, it drives me a little bit crazy because it's just false information. I am all about staying away from genetically modified foods, but there's a very big difference between GMO and hybrid breeding, both with our garden seeds or seeds, as well as animals. So your Cornish cross have been specifically bred to come to weight really soon. So the advantage of that is you're not feeding them as long and you're not feeding them as much feed. So one, you have a bird that is full size to be able to butcher that much faster. And you're not having the care of them extended out over a longer period of time. So it kind of comes down to your time management as well as your feed, which is going to equal into your your feed costs. So we get the jumbo, jumbo Cornish cross. 
This is a hybrid between your regular Cornish chicken and a white rock chicken. (laughs) So they have been bred because they have really large breasts. There's a lot of meat and they come to weight really fast. So the males are going to dress out at three to four pounds in six to eight weeks. And the females take about a week and a half longer to reach that same size. Now, I like my whole birds once they're dressed out. So that means after we have butchered them and they have been gutted and feathers removed and you've just got the whole chicken, which includes the bones, but none of the excess um, weight of guts and or feathers and the head. (laughs) And typically that doesn't include the feet. Now, I do use the feet in our broth. They're an excellent source of collagen and gelatin. And so I do use those, but you don't typically count them in the weight when you're weighing as a dressed out chicken. We usually let ours go between eight to 10 weeks and they average usually between about five to eight pounds, which is really where I'm really happy with them. I really like them to be at least five pounds um, for the whole chicken is kind of ideal where I like to go with them. So they have in this specific meat bird variety, there's, like I said, the jumbo Cornish X cross, which is that cross between the Cornish cross rock and the white rock chicken. So they are when they're they're, when you get them as little baby chicks, they're like this cute little yellow, creamy, fluffy little, oh, they're so much fun. And we just got ours. So if you want to see my brooder set up and what they look like and also how to deal with PC butt, which is a thing that happens with new chickens, especially when you get them from mail order, which we're going to be talking about that here in a moment. You're going to want to go and check out my newest YouTube video over on the YouTube channel and you can see all of that. But typically you have, like I said, the within the Cornish breed is what most people get for their meat chicken. So you've got the Cornish roaster, um, which is takes longer to mature than the jumbo Cornish X rock, which we got today about two weeks, but they have large breasts, big thighs, yellow skin, etc. They're a little bit of a slower growth. So that can help with potential leg problems that you can get with the jumbo X Cornish cross, which we'll be talking about that in just a moment. I feel like there's a lot of these little crumbs I'm laying out. I'm like, we're going to get to this in just a moment, but we will. So you also have within those Cornish breeds and then you have the Cornish game hens. Now, these are smaller. Your Cornish game hen butcher is at two and a half pounds live weight. And so a lot of people like these, but these are a lot smaller. So you're not getting as much meat. So when you think, you know, a lot of times you see Cornish game hens in the grocery stores and they're those smaller birds. So you can also get those as well. But I I want a full size chicken when I'm ready to butcher it. So we don't get the Cornish game sent, but that they have the Cornish in there. So a lot of times people get a little bit confused. What's the difference between the Cornish game hen, the Cornish roaster and the Jumbish Cornish X rocks. Boy, that felt like a tongue twister. (laughs) So those, um, within the Cornish that's typically you hear about Cornish cross is usually what people are getting for meat birds. Now you also have the white giant, So this is a variety of a Jersey giant breed and it's a meat bird because it has a large frame. You know, the word giant probably kind of gave that away a little bit, (laughs) but it's a little bit slower to mature than the rocks and the reds and some of your other heavy breeds that we look for within our meat birds. But the Wyatt giants, giants, excuse me, that one didn't want to come out either. 
those can be a dual purpose. So you can also let them get to size and then you can butcher them or you can use them as an egg layer as well. But when it comes to your Cornish roasters and the Cornish X rocks, those you do not, let me repeat, you do not let them mature to the age where they could begin laying eggs. So they are not dual purpose. You need to butcher them between eight to 10 weeks. Occasionally you can push it to 11 or 12 weeks, but then you're really pushing it and they're not going to start laying eggs. Most chickens don't start laying eggs until they're at least between four to six months of age. And the reason that you don't let the the Cornish breeds get to that is because they've been specifically bred. They've hybrid them. And if you let them go to the age where they would be old enough and mature enough to actually start laying eggs, because they have been bred to get to weight really fast and they're heavy eaters, most of the time you will have either leg failure. So they will weigh so much if you let them go beyond where they should be butchered that they'll, their legs will fail. So they'll break their legs. They can't support themselves with their legs or they will have organ failure. So they will have heart attacks. Um, they just, their organs cannot support the weight that they would put on if you don't butcher them when you're supposed to. So I just want to be really clear about that. When you get a Cornish breed as a meat bird, you need to be committed and knowing that you have to butcher that bird between eight to 10 weeks of age. So it's not something that you're going to become faint of heart and decide, oh no, I just would rather let them be a meat, a, a egg bird. You, you just can't. From their breeding, you can't. That bird is going to suffer if you try to let it go and you don't actually butcher it. So I know it sounds weird to talk about we're butchering, but when we raise our animals for meat, we take very good care of them. So we do it very humanely. Um, we treat them just like we would our other chickens as far as their care. Um, and we, when we go through the butchering process, it is done very humanely, trying to keep that chicken as comfortable and as calm as possible until we, and not, un, but and until and as we are butchering it for our meat needs. So I put that all of their out to the, out there because I know some people have never butchered before and they're looking to do it. <laughs> this year. And then there's other people that are going to be listening to this who have no intention of butchering. And if you've never dealt with animals or raised them for meat, there's this weird misconception that people have that it's like barbaric or that they're not treated well, or I don't know where people get that in big, huge farms. Yes, I understand in big manufacturers that goes on, but your backyard grower, we treat our animals extremely well, regardless if they are going to be livestock that we're actually eating the meat or if they're producing us with be it milk or eggs or whatever, whatever other byproduct they would perhaps be giving us. So I just wanted to put that out there. Now, that's with your Cornish breeds. They have to be butchered. You cannot let them go and grow out and mature and become egg layers. But a lot of your dual purpose breeds, those you can. So kind of the pros and cons is they're going to take longer to get to weight. So you're going to have to feed them for longer and you're going to have to put the time in taking care of them and maintaining them until they reach that butchering age or to be big enough to have enough meat on the bones before you get to that point. 
But if you decide you want to be able to breed back your own meat chickens and you don't want to have to get the hybrids, that can be a really great option. And they can be dual purpose, meaning you can butcher some of them when they get to size. Then some of them you can let go and just be egg layers. So some great examples of breeds for that is your buff Orpingtons. Buff Orpington is actually one of my favorite laying hens. Um, mine have been probably the most docile and kindest. And they also have been my hens that have been broody and have hatched out new batches of chickens for me when I needed to replenish my laying hen stock. So buff Orpingtons also though, because they have that larger breast, so they're easy to dress out for the tape table. Um, they're plump. They have a good amount of meat on the bones, so they can be a really great variety for both eggs and meat. And as I said, personality-wise, temperament-wise, um, my buff Orpingtons have been my favorite. They've just been the friendliest, and they've been the sweetest, and they've been the most uh, docile. I haven't had issues with them picking on any of the other chickens in the flock and, and different things like that. So if you can't tell, I'm really partial to a buff Orpington. Really, really like them. Some other breeds that people will do dual purpose are the rocks. So barred rock, buff rocks are some, um, black giant as well as white giant. We talked about the giants earlier. Those are some. Um, some of your wynadots. So Colombian wynadot is one. Um, and then you have dark Cornish, which is still in that Cornish, but they are a black feathered bird. Um, Delaware broiler. The broiler probably gave it away. <laughs> and ginger broiler. Those are some others. Um, and then I actually got my meat chickens this year. I switched hatcheries for doing mail order and I'm really happy with them. This is not sponsored in any way, shape or form by them. I went on their website and purchased my chickens and paid full, full price and they shipped them out to me. But it's McMurray Hatchery. Uh, they also have what they call their uh, Mur Murray's Big Red Broiler. So there's a couple different options there within the broilers. Um, but it is an updated version of an old favorite, which I've heard a lot about it, but haven't raised myself yet. And that's the Red Ranger. So the Murray's Big Red Broiler is a new cross. And this is from their website um, that produces a table bird in 12 weeks. So not that many more weeks from the Cornish cross. You're looking at maybe about about two to three weeks more, but that's not too much longer. And so this bird, of course, you don't have to watch as closely for organ failure and leg failure as you do the Jumbo X Cornish crosses. So that's kind of a really cool thing. And I may try these guys next year. I didn't this year. And I'm going to walk you through why I didn't and why we picked the bird that we did this year um, in just a minute. But um, another dual purpose one that a lot of people like as well is New Hampshire's and the Sussex. So those are some other breeds that you can be for your egg layers. I actually have some Sussex hens uh, right now who are part of my egg laying flock, but they can be dual purpose as well. So that just gives you, and like I said, the Red Rangers is one I've heard a lot about as well, but I haven't actually bred out myself or raised any of those. And there's some other ones out there, but those are kind of some of the main ones that people will do as dual purpose birds as well as meat birds as well. So why did we decide to do the Chumbush Jumbo Cornish X Rock? So the reason that we decided to do them again this year, I have done them in the past. We've done meat chickens for, oh my goodness, let me think here. I think five, I think five years. I, this is, I think, going on my sixth year, five or six years. <laughs> Anyways, we've done them. We've done quite a few batches. Let's leave it at that. But the reason that we picked that this year is one, 
I didn't want to get them too early in the year because when I am, when you are raising chicks without the mom, which is what I am doing when I'm getting my meat birds, um, we usually get 25 at a time. You can get them in smaller batches so you can order them um, smaller than that. Sometimes there's a minimum because there has to be so many chicks in the box so that they retain their heat during the shipping process. And don't worry, I know you're thinking what you're shipping live baby chicks, what the How is that possible? I'll walk you through that. It's really very common and works out fairly well most of the time. So there usually is a minimum, though, when you're ordering from a hatchery via the mail, because there has to be so many baby chicks in the box so that they stay warm. That being said, oftentimes, I want to say they'll ship them in 10. There's usually a minimum, but we went for 25. That's worked pretty good for us. That's enough birds that we can butcher them all in one day. Usually have them done in just a couple of hours. And it's a good amount that's going to take us. So we figured that's two whole birds a month. Now you may or may not eat more chicken than that. We already raised all of our own grass fed organic beef. We're raising our own pork again this year, which we've done for multiple years. Um, we have salmon, we get crab. So I'm just sharing, we have a lot of meat options available to us. We're very fortunate that way. We raise a lot of them or can go to local rivers and or the bay with our own boat and, and bring those items in. So. When I'm supplementing with all those different things, 25 chickens is, is pretty good for our family. We may need a, a few more than that, but it's, it's, a good, it's a good base. So we went with the 25, and I don't want to get them too early in because then it's, it's really cold out. And you do have to have a heat lamp. I know there's a lot of speculation on using heat lamps in chicken coops. We don't heat our chickens full grown size chickens. I do not use a heat lamp with them. So my chickens go all winter long and there's no heat lamp on them and they do just fine. And I don't advocate for using a heat lamp in a regular coop just to force your birds to lay all year. However, when you've got baby chickens, you have to use a heat source or they will die. Now there's like heat plates, there's heat lamps. We are using a heat lamp. It's what we had on hand. And I didn't see the purpose in buying new things just to have new things. If my heat lamp goes out and I need to replace it at some point, I'm going to be looking at some of the other heat options. But the heat lamp for us works really well. And you have to use it when your chicks are little. Now, for the care of baby chicks, the first six weeks when they do have to be under heat and have some pretty particulars on that, you can go and check out episode number 106, and that's six tips to raising baby chicks for the first six weeks. So it's a very critical process that you need to do for meat chickens and or your dual purpose or if you're getting chickens for just as hens to lay your eggs. They still require the same amount of care those first six weeks of their life. It's very particular. But I didn't want to get our meat birds too early when it was too cold out. I just didn't want to deal with that. So we just got our meat birds. At the time of this recording, it is the first week of May. I actually got my chickens on May 1st, the baby chicks. Now, the reason I'm saying that is because we don't want to get them too early in the year when it's too cold here, where we live in the Pacific Northwest, up in the foothills of the mountains. But I didn't want to deal with them in the major heat of summer. A couple of reasons. One, they don't do well with a lot of heat. They're, like I said, they're big birds. They're raised to get to weight really quickly and they don't move very well. And so the heat, they can get heat stroke easier than any other breed, especially as they're getting close to being butchering size. 
Two, they are smellier. <laughs> so meat birds have just, I find that they just are stinkier. They seem to poop more because they eat more than our hens. So in the heat of summer, I don't want to deal with them getting heat stroke. I don't want to be worrying about them. I don't want to be during, dealing with the smell. And when I am butchering and you're using a scalding tank, I don't want to be butchering them when it's super hot out. So, and as summer rolls on and it gets hotter and hotter, we have other things that have more work to do on the homestead, it just seems, or you don't want to be doing as much physical work because it is so hot out. And so we don't want to be dealing with our meat birds, quite honestly, as we move into July and August, which is really hot here. And then it comes down to food cost. So I don't know, none of us do with all of this COVID-19, what's going on right now my local granary, which is about an hour and 20 minutes from us, but it's pretty local. And that's where I get all of our food that we aren't um, providing for our animals here on the homestead. And I do have to supplement for my meat chickens and my laying hens. Uh, my laying hens are in a big chicken tractor. So they get moved on fresh pasture every two days. We move them all around the pasture. So they're it's not technically free ranging, but they're pasture raised. So they get grass and they get the bugs and they get the weeds out there. And I give them a lot of excess of our garden produce and vegetables and that type of thing. But I still am feeding them some chicken feed. And with the meat birds, I'm feeding them a meat bird formulation as well. Now, my local granary, I can go and I can get it organic. I can get it milled very, very fresh and I can pick it up. However, I don't really know, and especially when we were ordering the meat birds, we had no idea. We were just going into shelter at home, how long certain businesses could stay open and could serve the public, etc. So I went down and calculated out and bought all the amount of feed that I would need to raise the meat chickens from when we get them as chicks until they are eight weeks of age. So I knew that I wanted to get the Cornish cross because I knew that I could get them to butchering weight in eight weeks and I could get that much food and I could keep it on hand and not have to worry about anything. So that was one of the reasons too. It, it was cheaper because I'm not feeding them as long. And I knew that I didn't want to deal with them in the heat of summer for just all of the reasons that I laid out for you. So that was why we decided to go ahead and do the jumbo Cornish X cross again this year and not pick one of the other, um, like the red Rangers or some of those other dual purpose ones. And also my flock of hens, I've got nine hens right now actually ended up with the jumbo Cornish cross. They give you a surprise chicken. That's not a, Cornish cross. And so I'm hoping she's on, they come on sex. I keep calling her she, hoping that that will prove to be prophetic and that it will be a hen and not a rooster. Um, so I may have 10 hens, but my flock of laying hens right now with those nine hens, they're very, they're really good layers. They're pretty prolific. I have um, plenty of eggs. And so I didn't want to do a dual purpose this year because I don't need to replace any of my laying hens right now. And I don't need any more. Like it's very sufficient for what we're going through and what we're eating, um, et cetera. So that was my decisions for deciding to do the Jumbo Cornish X Rocks again this year instead of a dual purpose bird. However, your situation may be different. You may decide that you want to do some of the dual purpose birds. Maybe you want to do a trial and you're going to do some of each. And And I like to do my own calculations too. So I get them and I know what the general guidelines are. Like they should be at weight at this time frame. 
but I like to test it out. And so I do my own weighing um, and everything like that and decide, you know, what works best for us and how long it, it did actually take them to reach weight and experience all of those things. So you may decide to, to do a little bit of testing. You might decide to test and do some of one and then a little bit of the other. The only um, disadvantage to that is you would have but different butchering dates. And I like to have all the butchering done set up assembly style and done in one day. And then I'm like done for the year when it comes to the butchering of the chickens. That's the way I prefer to do it. So Next year, if we decide to test out a different breed, which I won't know until we get there, I would probably get all of one dual purpose breed that would everything would come to the same weight and we would only be butchering again one time. That's just the way I like to roll. So you can either do mail order for your meat chickens or if you're getting them at the right time of year, you may be able to get them through your local hardware and or feed stores. Now, this year, with all of the, like I said, the COVID and the virus stuff where I live in Washington state, we're still at shelter at home orders, but our feed stores are allowed to be open. And so and our hardware store is a hardware and a feed store. And do, um, but they are able to be open. They're considered essential and they have had birds in stock, but I have not actually been in those places for probably four weeks, I think, since I have had to venture out. So I don't know if they run out faster, if they sell out faster, etc. Sometimes for meat birds, you have to put in an order. They don't just stock them, but you can call them and say, hey, I would like to get this many meat birds. They'll get them in stock and then they'll let you know when they come in. So that's an option. Or like I said, you can do the mail order and then you get to pick the exact kind that you want, the exact numbers that you want and the exact breeds and you pick the ship date. Usually they give you a window of when they're going to be able to ship and then they ship them to you. So when you do it mail order wise, just if you're not, and you can do this for laying hens as well. Like I said, dual purpose meat chickens, whatever, you can get them online. This year I'm using McMurray Hatchery. I've been um, really happy with the birds that I got. I switched hatcheries. I'd been using a hatchery and the birds had been fine. And I used them for like two, two or three years, I think. Sometimes I've gotten them in, in town from like I'm saying you can go into from your local feed stores or wherever they happen to stop chicks or get chicks in stock. But I wanted specific kinds and I wanted a spe specific amount. So we went and did mail order. And the first set we got from them did just fine. And then the second set that we got, which was the following year, Half of the over half of the chicks died within three days of us getting them. So they sent us out replacements, which was great. And again, over half of them died from that batch. And I know how to take care of baby chicks. Like I've raised lots of batches of baby chicks and it was not anything that we were doing on our end. I don't know what was wrong with them. But I was super frustrated because I ended up getting two orders and I still didn't have the full amount that I had wanted. But I was just like, I'm done with this. I am not having them send me a third batch and having half of them die again because it's I know we butcher them, but when they're babies, it's disheartening. I mean, we had to go out and bury them. I mean, they're little. It only took a shovel full, to be honest, you know, a small amount. But it was just very disheartening to go through two flocks and have only half of them live. Um, past a couple of days. So anyways, I, we were going to, we did mail order again this year, but I asked around to some of my friends and decided that I was going to give McMurray a try. And I've been really happy. Got 26 birds. We're on day four. They came in excellent shape, very alert, moving, just perky and really, really happy so far with the birds. So I'm really pleased with that. So that being said, we used McMurray. <laughs> um, 
So you do mail order. So you place your order. They send you a shipping tag and says, hey, your birds are being shipped out. So what you need to do is you get a hold of your local post office, wherever they're being shipped to, and you say, they ship into the post office. They aren't going to come in your mailbox. And you say, hey, I've got live birds coming. They're supposed to be here in today or tomorrow. It's usually they ship them out and they get to your destination, usually within 48 hours. And so you want to let your post office know and give them your phone number. So as soon as the birds hit the post office, they can call you and say, hey, your birds are here and you can go and get them. Because as soon as you're able to get them, you need to get them out of the box and you need to get them drinking. Drinking is more important to get them hydrated before eating. So water first, and then you've got to get them warm and under a heat lamp. So they send them in a small box so that they've got body heat, which is why there's that minimum. And then... A lot of times people are like, but there's them in a box without water or food. Oh my goodness. Well, the reason you can do that is because as soon as they hatch out a baby bird, because when they're on the mama hen in nature, all of her eggs aren't laid on the same day, right? That she's sitting on. And so when the first ones hatch, she can't get up off of the eggs that are going to be hatching in another day or two in order to take care of the first ones that hatch. Because if she gets off of those and they become cold, those eggs they're going to die inside the shell. So she has to stay sitting on them until they begin to hatch. And so the good Lord and nature, really cool thing. They have enough in them food and water so that they can live without eating or drinking for the first, I think it's 72 hours. So three days before they have to start drinking water and eating Ideally, if they, I mean, like I said, that's why you have your post office call you because as soon as you get them, you want to get them water first and then you're going to offer them food and get them warm. Warm is the other really big thing. But they'll call you, you'll go and get them, you'll bring them home. You want to have your brooder all set up, you want everything ready to go. So as soon as that post office calls you and you have your chicks, then they're going right into their perfect environment. And as I said, I talk about that perfect environment in more detail in episode number 106, or I show it to you so you can see it up close and personal in that newest YouTube video over on the YouTube channel. So if you're deciding to raise meat birds this year, you're going to be picking out what kind of breed you're getting, how many you're getting. And I base that on how much we usually typically eat in a month of chicken. And then base it on that average times 12 for a year. That's how I do pretty much all of our food planning. And raising of everything is doing an average of what we eat. And then you may want to go a little bit higher. So that's totally up to you if you've got the room and you've got the feed available to you. So those are kind of the big things. I knew with the 25, how many we can fit into a chicken tractor that we can easily move around the pasture as they're getting up to weight and about how much we had for food and space available all of those things. So we're doing 25. And then you're going to decide where you are getting them from. If you can get them through your local places or via the mail. And I have to say in most instances, when we've gotten them via the mail, except for that one batch that I shared with you, which is why I switched hatcheries, I've had really good success with the mail. I want to say in a normal year, like this year, I don't think that I will lose any. And usually when it comes, I've never had any dead in the box either. Like we've really had good success except for that one year, which I don't know what was happening with the hatchery. If they had some type of weird, my guess is there was some type of contamination and some type of disease bacteria that was going through the hatchery that kept infecting the chicks. It's the only thing that I can come up with because we did everything 
that you would normally do and that was right um, here on the homestead once we got them. So that I know a lot of times people with the live, having them shipped live, consider it kind of a con. But in my experience, we've had pretty good success with it. Now, with your meat birds, when you first get them, like I said, you need to make sure they get water first. They've got heat. And then you bring them in food. But this is where your meat birds, especially, or I should say, if you are doing a Cornish cross variety and not a dual purpose bird, you're feeding them a little bit different because they basically don't have the sense to know that they're full. That's why they get to so big so fast and come to wait because they're just little hogs and they eat all the time. So to help them behave more like a regular chicken and to avoid what you hear about the leg failure and organ failure, this is when they get older, not within usually the first four to six weeks, but as they hit closer to that eight or 10 week mark, you have to take their feed away at night. So basically you have to monitor what they're eating. So I put their feed in in the morning, usually around 7 a.m. And then I go out at night about 8, 30, 9 o'clock and I take it away. So that way they can't continue to eat for 24 hours straight because they probably would. So that's going to help them establish more, I hate to use the word normal, but really more normal chicken behavior and also to keep things in check so that you don't have the leg and the organ failure issues. So that's a, that's a biggie. So just know that you're going to need to take them feed in the morning and then you need to make sure that you take it away at night. So that's probably the biggest thing that we have noticed and have done um, in order to stop having any early loss before we want to butcher them ourselves. So I'm going to do this as our part one of raising meat chickens. And I will have part two where we move more into how you manage them and how you prep and how you do butcher day because that's the whole other part of meat chickens. So if you've got more questions, let me know. You can leave them in a review under this episode. You can leave it in a comment on the blog post. So for links and resources to a lot of the things that I've talked about today, you can get them at the accompanying blog post, moleskinorris.com forward slash 256, because this is episode number 256. And you can let me know what questions you have when it comes to butcher day or if you have any questions pertaining to what we talked about today. So thank you so much for listening. Oh, and I almost forgot our verse of the week. So we are over in Matthew chapter five, verse number six and seven. And this is the Amplified Translation of the Bible. Blessed and fortunate and happy and spiritually prosperous in that state in which the born-again child of God enjoys his favor and salvation are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, uprightness, and right standing with God, for they shall be completely satisfied. Blessed, happy to be envied, and spiritually prosperous with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, regardless of their outward conditions are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And I keep going back. That's actually the whole chapter five is great. It's got a lot of the different blessings, but it really shows to be after what we should be striving for so that we feel completed. And that is mercy, meekness, peace, hunger and thirsting for righteousness and for God so that we will be fully satisfied because when we tend to hunger and thirst for a lot of other things in this life, we usually are sadly wanting. That's when greed, 
jealousy, envy, you know, all those things, pride tend to sneak their way in. And also a reminder for mercy, for the things that we seek to make sure that we are also mirroring that and extending that to others and exhibiting that in our lives so that we can then receive it from the Lord. So thank you so much for listening. I hope that you guys learned a lot and that you got some inspiration. And I can't wait to see what your food production plans look like as you become more homegrown and self-sufficient. Okay, we will talk next week and have very soon our upcoming part two on our meat chickens. Mm -hmm.